Happy New Year, everybody. It's good to see everyone today. And uh, just a little side note. I know sometime around this, Luke, come on now. Just a little side note. I know sometimes coming into the new year, um, a lot of us are carrying burdens in it. Some, some of us, it's a harder season than others. And we look at last year, and maybe like last year was a tough year. Maybe it was a great year, but maybe it was a tough year. I really want you to have hope today. I want you to have hope that you're in the right place with the right people and the right God. And this year, I'm not going to say there's no suffering, there's going to be no trials. But you've put your faith in God. He'll be with you. And I want you guys to hear that. You know there's a lot of joys ahead in this year. There's a lot of struggles. But if you put your faith in Jesus, if you trust in his grace, if you follow him, it will all work out for good. I can promise you that. Amen? Amen. Well, as you know, we're going to start a new sermon series entitled New. Because there's a few things I wanted to talk to you about this year. As, as one of the pastors who analyzed this past year of how we lived as a people, how we followed Jesus, what that looked like as a community, there's a few areas where I thought we could mature in. And you're going to notice that in your Christian life, that you go from one year to the next. Buddy, could you put me down just a little, pal? Um, when you go from one year to the next, you'll say, wow, God did some great things. You take an inventory and say, I've grown in these areas. God's really done a work in me. There's been a lot of grace. I'm changing. I'm enjoying the right things. I'm growing in faith. I'm growing in grace. I'm loving people get, uh, I'm, uh, better. I'm loving God. But there's also areas where you say, man, there needs to be some adjustments. You know what? It's okay to look at those adjustments, and by God's grace, he'll mature you and make you more like Jesus. And this is what I said to one of my friends yesterday as we were talking. Too many times, we're not patient with ourselves, and we're not patient with our growth, and we're not pa- patient with the sanctification that goes on in our life. Don't look back a month. Don't even look back a year sometimes. Look back a decade. When you're following Jesus, look back a decade. Because sometimes you can't see when, you know... Sometimes even when your kids are growing up, you don't notice how much they're growing. And you look back and say, what the heck just happened? Look back a few years and say, wow, God's doing a work in you. And I want you to look back in long periods of time and say, Jesus has been faithful in my life. But one of the areas I saw that we could grow as a church, and this is not a knock, it's just saying, God's going to do this. We become better servants. We really can. You know, there's a temptation in our culture. There's a temptation to live just for yourself. There's a temptation just to serve yourself. There's a temptation and a lie out there that if you do and take care of you, right? You love that one. This year I'm taking care of me. I'm loving me. Time to love me, right? They, they sell you all that stuff out there. And then you're like, man, I've been loving me for five years and I'm miserable. Right? You will find your greatest joy when you're laying down your life and you're serving others. And I want us to really think about that as a community. How can we as a community serve better this year? How can we serve our families better? How can we serve our workplaces better? How can we serve our church better this year and become more like our Savior, the one we follow, the one we want to imitate, Jesus? You know, I remember... They tried to make this point when I was younger and I was at church. I don't know if I was, actually, I was, it was late 90s, so I was about my late teens, just turning 20. And they decided the way they were going to show everyone that we need to become more, better servants is 
all the leaders were going to wash the feet of the people in the church. You know how un uncomfortable that gets? You know how uncomfortable it gets in the late 90s? We're not worried about our feet being dirty. And the leaders break out bowls with waters in them, water in them, and everyone got to walk up. And they were trying to make the point, and it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever been through in church. People you know, you go up with dirty feet and they're scrubbing your toes. What a nightmare. I didn't feel like I was growing. I felt like, please stop. I want this to end. Because you cannot take something that was 2,000 years ago relevant in a need when you have sandals and you wash the feet that's lowly. You can't implement that in, even to the late 90s. Now, today it could be washing the iPhone covers or something like that. You know what I mean? But you can't bring something in like that. And expect people to learn how to be a servant because sometimes that's just outward. But when I say we need to learn to be feet washers or whatever term we want to use, what they're trying to get at is we need to learn to be lowly. We need to be, learn to be lowly. We need to go, learn to go into the dirty places. We need to learn to be with the people no one else wants to be with. We need to learn to be around the people that people have ostracized. We need to learn to serve. We need to get away from the self-exaltation that I'm living for the praise of man. And we'll get to that. That's like a drug. You know, because a lot of times people hit the new year, and what do we want to work on? We want to work on our outward appearance. And be healthy, work out, do those things, be healthy. But for your family, get the vanity out of it. Do it. You know, I'm starting to work out so I can live longer. I want to be around for my grandkids, you know what I mean? I want to be around, my, I want to eat healthier and do those outward appearance things, but not for vain reasons. Sometimes with religious things, we say, man, if I can look better outwardly, I'll have a better year. But what Jesus is trying to get, he's trying to get to the interior. Because if you get your heart and you become more like a servant, the outward follows. If you can get this right, if you can get in here right, you get that joy and it even shows on the way you look, the way you act, the way you treat people. So we're really going to focus on, in this message, how do I adopt a servant's heart? How do I get low this year? How many times you hear that? People are like, you got to move up this year, right? i got to move up. i got to be greater. i got to get a better title so I feel good. It's not going to bring you happiness. Real greatness is found in being a servant. Please hear this. Real greatness is found in serving others and serving God. Let's turn to Matthew 23, 1 through 12. Said, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, you can look up here too, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man father on earth. For you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, instructors for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. It's the words of our Savior Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? Some of you think you've passed the point where you can be great in your life. 
Some say, man, I missed my opportunity. I can't be great. I missed it. You think all the famous people, all the Twitter followers, all the likes on Facebook, those are the great people. They're not in the kingdom of God. You need to hear this. You can be great if you get low and you serve others. You won't get your reward here on earth, but you will be exalted when you're with God in heavenly places when God makes all things new. And the exaltation, I'm not saying you'll be praised in heaven. <laughs> I'll be saying you'll be with Jesus, and we'll, we'll talk about that more. Jesus, most of Jesus' earthly ministry was rebuking the religious leaders of his time. So think of all the pastors, all the priests you know. I'm sure there's some great ones. I'm sure there's some good ones. Jesus was constantly telling them off, saying, don't do what these guys do. Have the right heart. Don't conform to outward religion. Conform to true religion, which is taking care of the poor and taking care of widows and taking care of the broken. Follow true religion. You know, we have a temptation, all of us, to just, when we get in religious settings, to be outwardly conformed to doing the right thing. Don't we love to look like we have our life together? Don't we love to look religious and bow? And The truth is, when I thought of it, a lot of people like that. At Restoration Road, I don't know if we like it that much. People are pretty real around here, sometimes too real. But we need to push back on just being... There's nothing worse than going to a culture where everyone's smiling. They've got the three-piece suit on with the tie clip that says praise him, and everyone knows everyone's miserable, right? Great, I've got to come in here and pretend again. That's miserable. We can be ourselves. We can be real because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says to the Pharisees, talk to a crowd that's filled both with people who would follow him, people who would be his disciples, and people who would cheer at his crucifixion. You need to understand who Jesus was preaching to when he preached. He's preaching to people who would love him and exalt him and praise him, and people would cheer for his crucifixion. And he's saying, do not be like the Pharisees, because they look like the guys that have it all together. But inwardly, they're dirty. He would actually call them whitewashed tombs. He said the outside of the cup is clean, but the inside is absolutely filthy. And he gives a few examples. Does anyone know what a phylactery is? It sounds like crude, don't it? A phylactery was a box they had that held religious texts. It held the Pentateuch. It held scriptures from the Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible. And what the rabbis would do is you'd tie a phylactery, a leather box around your head and on your arm, on the left arm pointing towards your heart. What it was meant to say was, and meant to show people was you were so dedicated and zealous for the law of God that you were just like the most religious, the most loving of God. These dudes started making them bigger so they looked more religious. Imagine the math of Taylor. You've got to make that leather box big, man. I've got to get it out like this. They've got to think I'm prayerful up in here, right? They started making their boxes bigger so that people would praise them more. They made the fringes of their prayer shawl. When he talks about it, they made them, they made it, they're souping up their prayer shawls. There were braided things that were on, it was four parts of the corner of the prayer shawl. They were saying, make them longer so I look better, so I can get the praise of man. Everywhere they went, their New Year's resolution is I got to look better so I can get the praise of man. They showed up, they wanted the best seat in the house, the highest seat. When they walked through the malls and walked through the shopping places, they wanted to be called rabbi and be praised. And there he is, the holy one. 
And I want you guys to be thinking of religious leaders who are like this in the text. Because I'm not going to point any out. But when you get the, the word of God, I want you to start asking yourselves, where do you see signs of people who are like this? Where do they want their hats big? And where do they want their fringes long? And where do they want to be seen? And where are the scepters gold? Look at those kind of things. And look out for those kind of preachers. Because they're not looking to advance the gospel. They're looking for the praise of man. Do you guys hear me? That's a warning. You need to be on guard. Because many times they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And that's what Jesus is saying. Listen to what they're saying in the law. But don't practice what they do. I remember one of my old churches. It was a biker church. Local one. That's where I met my wife in a biker church. Pastor be preaching with the leather vest. He didn't give a what. He'd get up there. There was reformed hell's angel. It was unbelievable. I loved every moment of it. They called him to a town meeting. And he figured he was going to this town meeting because they were going to talk about some needs in the town. How can the churches get together? And they started off the meeting and said, listen, we see people smoking out in front of your church. And we don't like the appearance it gives the town. This dude was no joke. When you reform a biker, when you save a biker, you know, when you save the wild ones, you get a wild gospel response. That's what happens. You understand? God gives you a personality for a reason, and he uses that personality for whatever you're called to. When he realized this meeting was called because people were smoking in front of the church, he got up and said, whitewash tombs. He said, dead men bones, and he walked out. This is how this dude rolled. Because he realized the people in town were more concerned with the outward appearance. Listen, I don't want you to smoke because I don't want you to get cancer. I don't care how the church looked. I mean, you better stop smoking because we don't look holy. No, I want you to be healthy and live. There's a lot of people who smoke and love Jesus and the greatest servants. I'll tell you that much, though. C.S. Lewis smoked the pipe every day. He's like, I'm not saying go out and smoke. But also time, smoking is not the criteria to know God. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? People get so caught up in the exterior. And he saw it. These, you're going to call, call a meeting to pray for the lost in town. Call a meeting to take care of the sick and poor. Call a meeting to grow in those things. Don't call a meeting because you don't want to appear like someone's smoking outside. Do you guys hear what I'm preaching right now? That's when you're too focused on the outward and you need to be changed in the inward. The greatest will be the ones who don't care about the praise of man. I'm telling you right now, it's a drug, and you guys know it is, when you live for the praise of man. Because you know what man does? They'll praise you one day, they'll condemn you the next. And you'll have a high, you'll have a low. i got to get back to the place where they think I'm awesome. Man, we're frail. You don't want to live for that. That comes and goes. If they didn't love Jesus, they won't love you every day. Do you guys hear that? I want to free you from that this new year and open you up to being a servant because when everyone looked, right, if you were in that time and you looked at the Pharisees and you looked at the scribes and you looked at them, you would have said from the outside, they're going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? Don't the pastors have to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Don't the guys who are leading the prayer event have to be the greatest? But Jesus said, they are not going to be greatest because they're exalting themselves. They will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
He goes on in verse 15, and I want to give you something. This is heavy words from our Savior right here. In verse 15, he says, I was going to do the whole chapter. If you read Matthew 23, if you take time after church today to read it, Jesus goes off. I've never heard him go off like this. Seven woes. He says, woe is you, woe is you, woe, 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 woe. Seven times. You know what he says mostly at the end of it? He tells them they're children of hell, right? That's not loving Jesus. Yeah, it is. Because he cares enough to warn them and say, turn from that. Turn from that. In verse 15, it says, you travel. I'm going to read this verse. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he became a proselyte, if I'm saying that right, you make him twice, twice as much a child of hell as yourself. Those are heavy words, right? You learn to be outwardly religious, then you go and convert someone, they become outwardly religious, and he calls them children of hell. If you looked in that time, you would have said they're the children of heaven. You said these are the ones who know God. He's saying, no, the lowly ones will be exalted. And what Jesus is saying, don't look at the fringes, don't look at the prayer boxes, don't look at those things. Look how they live their life. As servants, And I think he's talking about glorification here, and I'll read this. I would say this verse in some ways talking about the process of glorification, in which we go from humble, lowly, unrecognized servants of God here on earth to new glorified bodies, new place in God's economy, where the last will be first, the greatest servant will be given the greatest reward in heaven. You will not be recognized here on earth if you want to be great. Look at Jesus. Now, we worship him as great now because we believe in him. We trust him. We know he is God. He was not looked at as great. He was crucified. Do you guys hear that? He was crucified. He was despised. He was spit upon. He was flogged. And he was the greatest servant. You know, this week, this past week, it's vacation week. And I came to do the great work of washing all the kids' toys in the kids' room. Right? Dave helped me and Joe helped me. And we're washing these kids' toys. We're watching, watching Lightning McQueen from the car movie. And I looked over at them and I said, this is great in God's eyes. <laughs> we're sanitizing those toys so your kids don't get sick and your household don't get sick. Now, I'm, I don't want to be praised, but I'm telling you, in our eyes, those are the things I've learned to look at as great. Because you're caring for people. You know who's great? Steve McNeil, who's not here today, who washes the bathroom every Sunday before the service. He's all up under the toilet. He's washing the thing. He's coming around. And I look in there, Steve, you worshiping? He goes, I'm worshiping. He's great. You know who's great? Maddie. Does everyone know Maddie? 20-year-old girl. Comes every Sunday early and helps set up with her father. Every Sunday she's here early, setting up chairs, setting up the kids' room, setting up communion. She's great in the kingdom of heaven. You know who's great? George. Joey, I'm going to be there at 8 tomorrow to set up because there's no one there to help me. And he's here setting up at 8 o'clock in the morning, all perky. George is a morning person. I'm not a morning person. I'm not a Christian until 930. <laughs> They're great. And I want us to understand this at Restoration Road because we're not going to be seeking titles. We're not going to be seeking stage ministry. We're not going to be seeking exaltation. We're not going to be giving the rewards out and trophies here on earth, but you will get them in heaven. I want us to be real, though. Do you know I love meeting the middle school? 
and it's beat down. <laughs> I love it. Because the people who come here aren't looking for us shooting a youth pastor out of a cannon. You know what I mean? They're not looking for flamboyant ministry. All of a sudden the fog comes up and I just stop preaching here. They can see past. They can see past the middle school and it takes long for the heat to come on and we're using a pulpit from a classroom. They can get past that. And saying we're seeing the heart of the gospel. We're seeing that we are all lowly and there's only one exalted and that's Jesus. And the greatest of among us will be servants. And I want you to think of that this year. How can I serve? Because real greatness is in serving. And Jesus defined greatness because he was the greatest servant. You know, when I was raising money to start this church, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. It was about three years ago. They said, you got to raise money. I said, raise money? I don't ask people for money. And this big wig from Wakefield wanted me to meet him in his tower of glory. You know? So I had to go to this guy to meet him to ask him if he would support Restoration Road. I hate that stuff. I hate that stuff because I know this guy loved the outward. And so I knew he was expecting me to get my suit ready and get everything all nice. And I said, I'm not giving in to that. No way. If this guy's going to give the restoration road, he's going to give because he sees the heart of the mission we're doing. I'm not getting souped up for this guy because he's looking for the outward. At the same time, a, a church in town was thinking of giving us their building. And so they had asked me to put in a proposal. In the proposal, I said, listen, this church is unhealthy. We're not going to do a merge because if we do a merge, we're just throwing rotten apples in with apples and the whole thing's got to get unhealthy. I'm not going to do that. But what I will do, if you allow this to die, and you guys who want to come and be part of this culture and plant a church and come with us, you can do it and we'll resurrect this thing. I didn't, I didn't act corporate about it, no business stuff. I didn't put my stamp on it. I just wrote up a nice little proposal and said, let's get to the heart of this thing. Let's do this for God's glory. They didn't take my proposal and I was totally okay with it. I got voted down like 27 to 6. Some dude jumped up the back just started yelling at me. I've been there for 30 years. I said, man, I'm just trying to, you know. This guy didn't like the way I handled that because he thought I should have brought the corporate thing in and got all, you know, exterior with it. I went in there, and I sat before him. I threw on my boots, I threw on my jeans, and I threw on a thermal. I combed my hair. And I sat before him, and he had to bring up the church thing because he didn't like the way. And he said this to me, and I want you to hear the heart of it. He said, look at you. Who would give you a church? That's what he said to me. I said, welcome to church plan. He said, look at you. Who would give you a church? And I realized that a lot of religion looks at the exterior. He didn't see the heart of what we were trying to do here. He saw a guy who worked in the trade and did electrical work and, and all those kind of things and didn't spice himself up, didn't come with all the, these kind of things. You know, I had referrals from guys on my character and who I was, but those weren't enough for him. He wanted the exterior. And I say that he's going to look back in the future in about 30 years, and say he missed the heart of what we were trying to do here at Restoration Road, which reaching the unchurched and reaching the broken and reaching the local people for the glory of God. I want you to see that, because if we look at the outward, we will miss what God is trying to do inwardly. And this is why most people miss Jesus. This is why most people miss Jesus. Because they weren't expecting a lowly carpenter who was from the city of Nazareth, who was with the broken, 
who was in the bars, who was in the leper's den, to be their Messiah and be the Son of God. They said, he's not going to have a crown of thorns. He should have a crown of gold. He's not going to go in isolated places where no one sees him to pray. He's going to blow that trumpet in play and pray. They were looking at the exterior, the religious thing, instead of the heart of who Jesus was. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, many people look at the incarnation of Jesus and they can't see, they can't understand why God would become man and make himself that low. Why would God allow himself to be murdered? Isn't God too great to be spit upon? Isn't God too great to be flogged? Isn't God too great to be crucified? Isn't God too great to wash people's feet? God is great because he did those things. Do you guys hear what I'm preaching? Because he made himself low, because he served, because he made himself nothing, he was given the name above all names, exalted. Him being a servant made him greater and added to his exaltation. I think God's great because he became a servant. Amen? Is that unbelievable? That never gets old to me. That God's own son gave his life in service and was not great here on earth to most people, but was exalted and glorified in heaven. That's the definition of the humble being exalted. And I want you guys to see this here. Because God's been moving in your hearts, a lot of you, where you say, I gotta serve more, I gotta be less about me. You know, if someone asked your family, Are you a servant? Are you a servant in the house? If they asked your family if you were the greatest servant, would they say yes? Do you serve your family? If someone went to each one of your jobs, right? Everyone's getting nervous. Now, not my job. I don't like people, so I get a raise. Someone went to your workplace and said, is he or is he she a, a, a servant in this workplace? Would they say you're a servant at your workplace? And some of you say yes, and that's awesome. If someone asks your pastors, this gets a little funny because I'm most of you guys pastor. <laughs> someone asks your pastor if you're a servant in your church. Would Dave and I say yes? Some of you would say yes. Some of you say, man, I've got to grow in it. Know that I'm not judging you. I understand this is a journey. But it's very important because it's not fun to serve all the time. Do you guys know that? I'm telling you to serve, but you're not going to want to do it 90% of the time. Anything worth doing, 90% of the time you don't want to do it. That's what you've got to learn in this life. You know, I went to laser tag this past week. And in my mind, we're going to laser tag. And know what I've got to do for my daughter, Kara? I've got to wear the pack while she shoots the laser. So I'm running around like an idiot. Everyone's shooting me. And I'm just like serving my daughter. In, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is a great sermon illustration. Because I did it before and I said, I've got to hold this sermon illustration. This is going to be good for something. Then I realized I was preaching on this week. Going there, I said, this is going to be a great sermon illustration. I'm going to be so happy serving my daughter. It was horrible. <laughs> I hated every moment of it. I'm like, this is how I'm spending my vacation, man. She's having the time of her life shooting everyone ever shooting me. That's how serving is. I didn't want to be up at 7 o'clock to turn on the heat 
You think I got up like, let's do this, man. No, I said, I'm called to be a servant. I'm called to do this. I'm taking up my cross. There's going to be a lot of pain 90% of the time, and I'm doing this for the people I love. That's what serving is. And I just want to call you guys to this today. Serve your family. Serve your friends. Serve your coworkers. Serve your church. Find a place to serve. And I meant to do this at the beginning because this seems like I'm trying to sell something. But here are the volunteer sign-ups. <laughs> I meant to do it at the beginning because I said, man, they're trying to sell stuff. <laughs> I meant to do it at the beginning so you'd remember, but I forgot. We're starting a new year. We need more people to serve in these areas. Set up breakdown. You'll get to see George every day, <laughs> every morning. Not only set up, but breakdown. It will only be once a month or once every six weeks, and it would really make a difference in this church. Our kids' ministry is growing. We've got two rooms now. If you want to serve in the kids' ministry, I'm going to put, there's some over there, just sign up. We need someone to help with sound. So Pastor Dave, if you haven't noticed, is one of the most welcoming people everywhere. He makes friends everywhere. He'll be talking for a half an hour with everyone. We need to free him up from that soundboard so he can greet and love people and lead a welcome team. So if you want to help with sound, we'll train you. Everything's labeled projections. Just throw your email address there. We'll make sure we find you. But please, once again, I didn't mean to do that during the sermon, but those are up there. Let's start a servant movement in this culture where we really say, I'm going to be great this year, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to be like Jesus, and I'm going to be great. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all these people here. I thank you for the work you're doing in all of our lives. I thank you for your patience with us. I thank you that it's a process and we're all learning to be more like you and serve. I pray this year as a community that we're defined by servanthood, that we serve our families and our homes, that we serve our workplaces, that we serve our towns and our communities that we live in, and that we serve this church well for your glory and for the mission of restoring people to you. Most of all, Lord, I thank you for the work of your son, Jesus, who served by giving his life for us as a ransom, that we might be pardoned, that we might be loved, that we might be atoned for, that we might be pleasing to you. I pray that you're exalted by the way we serve in this new year, and that our good works will glorify you in heaven. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your example. Amen.